So what do we got here? <laughs> we got a show. We got a lot of work to do is what we got. Yeah, I'm a, we're going to end up talking about what? Fucking the Bucks and Punk again or something? <laughs> Are they still there? Are they not there? Who cares? Somebody punched Punk's dog. What? Yeah, what the hell is up with that all of a sudden? About a week after this whole entire brawl for whatever it is. What was it called? Brawl they out? Call it the, the brawl out? Yeah. Yeah, like a month after that, all of a sudden we're hearing about somebody kicked CM Punk's dog. Somebody arcaded his dog out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little, what was his name? Lou or something was just sitting there yapping away and all of a sudden out of nowhere. Like that should be, it was Dexter Loomis. That should be the real mystery is that CM Punk's holding his dog and he has a neck collar on. Like, who, who the hell ran out and, and, and RKO'd Fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> that's the real mystery. Yeah, that's the story. That's what the real, that's the real ultimate fans want. It wasn't, it wasn't Ace Steel that bit Kenny Omega. It was the dog. The dog, yeah. And then Ace Steel bit the dog. That's what it really had. <laughs> Good Lord. It just seemed, this is, this is just like a, this is just like a, an onion that, it's not even good anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You peeled off almost everything. All you guys like the dead center of an onion. It's just, yeah, it's over. It's like it's like two months ago, three months ago this was. And they just keep coming out with more stuff. It's like a like a murder mystery kind of thing. Like there's gonna be uh, something up, there's gonna be something about a parakeet next week. I'm telling you, it's like they they whipped this up and then it ha- this has to be an angle now. It has to be. All the it it has to be an angle. If they can't do business together after something spectacular like this, then they're fools. They're just fools. You know that saying about fools and their money. Yep. That's what I mean. They, how can they not see this? You know what I mean? I mean, what's the old line? Ray Charles can see this. Even even Brett and Sean knew that they needed to get in the ring at some point because it was going to make money. It was gonna make money, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's so it's so freaking stupid. It's just beyond me. But anyway, I don't know. Yes, everything's everything's going. Everything's fine over here. Who punches the dog? Welcome I've to the conversation, it. Aaron. <laughs> I've done it. I, I actually um I'm at, I have, I have a better record against dogs than I do against women. <laughs> I know, but I got beat up by um like five women, but I fucked that dog up. <laughs> That dog, that dog man got a big chunk out of my leg, but it won't, it won't whimpering away once it, once it got a big. I gave it the old Alabama jaw jacker. I'm just saying, I've met, I've never had somebody talk shit to me and been like, you know what, Poof, just punch your dog. Like, I, I, I had, I've had a couple of dog interactions. I was walking up to a buddy's house. And he had his dog out on a leash tied to a tree. And, like, the leash would only run, like, it, would, it wouldn't it would go all the way up to the sidewalk. It would run about, run about like, three or four feet to the sidewalk. And it's running out there, and it's yelling at me. I'm going, oh, shut the F up, you dummy. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard the thing snap. <laughs> and it came running at me. And I'm, like, slap boxing it because it's my friend's dog. And I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it away from me. And it's jumping up in the air, and it's yapping at me. And it's and then I'm just like slap like slapping it like bitch slapping it, and uh, finally the dude came out and grabbed the dog, and then there was a time I was over some it was some like garage party or something, and it was some people that I didn't know like we had somehow fallen into this party by accident, and um we we were not scared of anybody at this party, so therefore I, I was just ripping into everybody, just I was just tearing everybody apart, making fun of them. 
I was making fun of some girl, probably because of her her, her uh, syndrome, whichever one it was. I don't know what kind of syndrome she had, <laughs> but uh, I was goofing on her, and then all of a sudden, this girl um, um, started talking shit to me, and I told her, I said, "That's it. Here we go." And I told her, I said, if you mess with me, I'm putting you in a camel clutch in front of all these people. And I just, I'm going to embarrass you. And make, I told you her, and then, make you humble. Oh, I made her humble already. I, 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 total, I totally changed her whole outlook on life. Um, and then I told my buddy Josh, I said, I said get, the, get, get the camera or something. And um, she, I let her put me in a headlock. I did the Andy Kaufman spot with Lawler. I let her put me in the friggin' headlock in the garage with my hands behind my back. I said, here's your, here's your shot. And she thought the headlock was going to work. Like, yeah, I got it. Like, some little some little cheesy jabroni girl is going to, like, make me tap out to a headlock. So I did a, I did exactly all I put my finger out. Like, watch this. Pick that bitch up. <laughs> dump, dumped her on her head <laughs> on, on this garage. And as soon as she, like, rolled over on her stomach, I floated over her back and strapped her in the camel clutch. I was I was even doing the original sheik sticking my tongue out, and then all of a sudden this dog just came running, and as soon as I as soon as I like pushed her face down, you know you know like when the job guy gets done with the camel clutch and the guy pushes her face down, yeah. and, and the guy like just goes limp, like it's, she just goes limp on the garage floor while this dog just attaches itself to my leg like, like it's a like a soup bone or something, and I'm, I'm trying to shake it, and I, and I have two puncture wounds on both sides of my leg. I still have the scars. I go to the doctor like a couple days later, and I tell him that I was riding my bicycle, and I don't know what happened, but the chain flew off, and I got my leg caught in a sprocket or something. And the doctor's looking at me, and he goes, are you sure you didn't get bit by a dog? <laughs> I said, no, I was riding my bicycle, and I got caught up in the thing or whatever. He goes, okay, but I tell you, I want to treat it as if you were bitten by a dog, though. He's, in other words, he was like, you're full of shit. You know it. I know it. Yeah. Let's just move along. And he, goes, he goes, I don't know I don't know where you got your bicycle from, but you might want to check on it and make sure it's caught up on all the shots. And, and I was like, whatever, dude. Just treat it the way you, you want to treat it. It's a bicycle injury slash dog bite, dog attack. Ladies and gentlemen, my husband. <laughs> Jessica's husband right here. And that is probably voice. more. That is the voice of Jessica's husband, Mr. Chad Austin, here on Reliving the Extreme, as this week we are reviewing the episode of BCW from January the 24th, 1995. Nate Maxson here with you, along with Chad and Aaron, of course. And, um, well, we had an episode of BCW to watch, that's for sure. And there was actually matches on it, wasn't there? Yes, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all dissing it. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. It wasn't a, it wasn't a poor episode of the show. Um, the match quality was good. And we will get into all that. But unless you guys have anything else, I know we just discussed AEW a little bit and Chad's dog story. But unless you guys have anything else you want to discuss, we'll get into we're getting to the end of Chad's Wikipedia page. Probably, Already? Probably a couple more weeks. I'll have to create a new one. Read slower. <laughs> now we're just going to do sentence by sentence. <laughs> See if I can finish it. All right, what do you got? Let's do Sal Balomo's Wikipedia page next. Dissect the career of Sal Balomo. And it's got, but it's got two parts to it. It's got like the early WWF stuff. And then there's like nothing until like 92 or something. Yeah, he, found, he found those big boots in a dumpster. Yeah, we can see the, the, the devolving into madness of Sal Balomo. 
the, the transformation into his yeah. antique wooden toy shop. It's like behind the music. It's the yeah. rise and rise and fall <laughs> of Sal Balomo. It's more like the uh, yeah, I guess it would be like the sit up of Sal Balomo. Let's see. We talked about uh, you uh, having your match, your first match, the Slackers with the RBC last week. Um, the following month, Chad and Divine face two of the three members of the RBC at March Madness when monsters collide. While Divine lost to LK, Chad beat Tyler Hilton to win the MCW Rage Television Championship. For a company, I don't think it even had television. If you bought the v- VHS tape at the show and you watched it on your VHS, on your television, I'm your champion. The VCR champion. I'm the, I'm the store-bought copy of the show, um, like champion. Who did I beat? Tyler Breeze Hilton? What was his name? Uh, let's see. Yeah, Tyler Hilton. Tyler Hilton. I, I think that was the yeah. He's the um. He was the guy. He was one of the guys that were WWE WWE developmental back in the day. Him and um the other guy named Zach. I think his name was. They were like developmental guys. They were good guys. I mean, I I, I don't I didn't see what it was. Maybe it was because they were so young, and they were so big, like for their age. They had like that look. Mm-hmm. They definitely had a look. But I think it was the I think it was the work that uh at this at this time what is this two thousand six two thousand seven WWE's developmental is Deep South I think yeah and, and maybe just a, a tad bit of Florida maybe maybe okay. so, maybe going into um Steve Kearns mm-hmm. somewhere around there because I know Florida is where they went or is where they were supposed to go I don't whether they went I don't know. But I know that's what they were all we were they were all talking about, like, you know, Florida Championship Wrestling and whatever. This is like the the opening state. And then we you know, we didn't even know what it was gonna lead to. It was before anybody even graduated to the main roster or anywhere right. off of there. You know, it was like it's oh yeah, the WWE's got like all these little schools and stuff like that, but nobody's graduated yet. So I think I think maybe Mickey. Was Mickey already in the business by that? Yeah, Mickey James was in the business. Oh yeah, by she that. yeah she came into the WWE in two thousand four, I think. Yeah, but she, I mean, even even she came through our school. I just didn't know if if um they, if she I knew she went to Ohio Valley. Yeah, that's the mo- that's the most of developmental that I know that she's done. Um, on April twenty first, the Slackers teamed with Doink the Clown in a oh, six man tag match to defeat the RBC Tyler Hilton, Stevie Riggs. And LK at aggravated aggravated assault 07. So which doink? Yeah, which doink? I know you're like this is some random show in 2007. How the fuck am I gonna know which? Doink? Right, can can you give me? You don't have any other names on there, do you? You don't have any other matches? Uh, no, not for the event. And they don't they don't have a link to the event to see the card. But they don't have. Do they have a building? What was the building? Still <laughs> no. Oh well, yes. The event was held at the Arena Club in Bel Air, Maryland. Oh, uh, okay. So they, they may have had um, that may have been the show where I think Greg Valentine spent a year there. Like I think he got he got locked in like after the show or something. And, and he, he can survive for a year because he doesn't move that fast. I know. So, I you think, know I, it's I, like a sloth. Like and he can eat yeah. once and then. And and the worst part was was he was on right before intermission, so he had the whole rest of the show to get ready to leave, and then the show's over and he's just still sitting there. <laughs> like, do you see the lights getting turned off all around everywhere else, and he's just still sitting there? Or you hear the wheels of the bags coming and going out of the locker room, and Valentine's just still sitting there staring. I mean, nobody knows how he got out of there. His body consumes its own body fat. Like, that's how he lives. 
Yeah, I mean, he he's a he's a pretty big dude, man. Have you ever seen him in person? Yes. He's he's, he's like a pretty solid dude. And he's only like five eight, but he's got to be two forty five, right? Yeah, he's he's yeah. definitely uh, the the stout is the word that I'm looking for. He's definitely stout. stout. Let's see here. After six weeks as champion, Chad re-lost the title to Hilton at Extreme Measures 2 in Dundalk. Mm, yeah. I, um, Dundalk. I mean, I tar- Dun- these kind of shows are hard to say because we did so many different places in Dundalk. We, we did a pool hall that we that we we took from nothing and made it a, a solid, solid venue where we drew good money there. And then we had some shitty little theater. Like, it was like a like an old, old, old-time movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like, it had the old canopy in the front where it had, like, the, the lights that flickered around and stuff. And it, they didn't work, but it, they were closing it up. It was like they were going to just tear it down, but they were going to do. And we just asked, hey, can we just run a couple of shows here? You know, like, they were just like, we don't care because there's, like, no, no insurance. Or the building was, like, condemned. And we would draw, like, I would say probably 150, 175 people at these shows. Like, just random spot shows. And then we ran, um, and then we had, like, another built. We had Michael's 8th Avenue, but that was a little more into the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a little more of an affluent kind of neighborhood where that's where we'd bring in a, a um, that's where we'd bring in a Steve from Springer or, or a, a big name. Like, the, I mean, if we're going to bring in a, a bunch of, Three or four names of various various degrees. We're gonna we're gonna at least have a Michaels on that show if we're gonna run that little shitty place in Dundalk or any other. We have like five places in Dundalk we could run. Let's see here. That fall, Chad was one of several wrestlers nominated by fans in an online vote to challenge Hilton for the title at the uh, at the upcoming Kickoff Chaos Supercard on September 9th. The other nominees included his tag team partner, Dino Devine, Stevie Riggs, and LK of the RBC, Buck Child, Ramblin' Rich, and Patrick Brink. Damn, that's a good, that's a pretty solid list there, man, for that time period. I wonder how that worked out. Because I don't know what the hell you, I mean, I'm, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> I wonder if this was some sort of a tournament, one night tournament. Some names we haven't discussed. Maybe I'll Buck bring Child. up to see Buck Child. Buck Child's a good cat, man. For some reason, I was just thinking about him. I was watching some TV show or something, and there was a scene in the TV show that reminded me of we were all out partying one night. Me, him, Danny. Um, uh, I think I think it was Buck Child's girl at the time who ended up who ends up who end up now is with Danny. But I know we were just picked me up and we were going. We were just left my neighborhood. We were on the main road, and um, Buck Child was yelling at his girlfriend. And I remember Danny pulled the car over, and he cut a promo on Buck Child. And, and, you know, he was kind of, like, abusing her. Mm-hmm. And uh, he cut a promo on her and told him, if, you gotta, if you're going to treat her like that, you better come out here and talk mm-hmm. to me about it, and blah, blah, blah. And Buck Child shut the hell up. And all, all of a sudden, like, I don't know how it ended, but uh, as far as I know, she's with Danny today. <laughs> And, and that's the last we used Buckchild, and it was I had nothing to do with it, so it wasn't the last I used Buckchild. It was the last Danny used Buckchild. Buckchild went Buck Wild. <laughs> he was a uh, he was a good kid. I mean, he did like the white rapper kind of gimmick, but it's even worse when you really are like a city boy. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. 
it's even worse. Your with, with your interpretation of like rap is when you're like a city boy. It's way before the one leg pulled up thing. Right. <laughs> Wait, it's way before that kind of nonsense. How about Ramblin' Rich? I can't believe. I know this can't be the first time we mentioned Ramblin' Rich. Ramblin' Rich I Myers. If you if, if you were, if you watched any of the old superstars from like ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. Anytime there was like a Dwayne Gill on the show, there'd be a Rambler, it'd be a Rich Myers on the show. Okay. And, yeah. And they would always say son of uh legendary uh Hall of Famer uh Jim or uh Jim Myers. George the Animal Steel. Yeah, they always used to and then I think they believed it. Um because they said it all the time. They worked and themselves into a shoot. <laughs> I, I I don't think anybody ever told anybody that it wasn't. Like Vince is the one that said it. Vince would be the one that would say Son of of, uh, of WWE legend Jim Myers, and he said it so many times that I really think that because Jim or George Steele did have something to do with booking the, the TV talent. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always him, you know. Bruno had to do. I mean, Harvey Whippleman. I, I saw. I say Bruno in the WWE. Who are you going to think of? Downtown Bruno. Uh, <laughs> Harvey was booking talent for TV. Uh, George Steele was booking talent for TV. I think Dylan may have even booked was booking TV talent too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, some good guys, man, up there at the time. A lot of a lot of old a lot of guys from WCW were defecting because that was right after the herd regime, the herd cleaning house shit, and everybody basically just took their pennies on the on the dollar and then went over to Vince for whatever Vince was offering, just a job because you know he's only like a year away from the scandal, isn't he? Nine, what, what would that be? You said ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, he's in the he's in the midst of it. At that point, he's wearing the he's wearing the neck brace for sympathy and all. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that dude. Like, when, they, when don't they show it on the on the on the backside of the ring where they uh, they're at the club and after he gets the victory, he, he goes to the club and he tears the freaking yeah. neck brace off. Yeah. So. Yeah, Vince, McMahon, Vince McMahon walking into that courtroom or walking around that courthouse with that neck brace on is the most carny fucking shit you've ever seen in your life. What a <laughs> what what a what a fucking worker! You know, you know that spot they did, that angle they did in that in that dark side when they when they talked about him taking everybody's finish in the bar. Yeah, you know how I know that's a shoot. It's because I've seen them do it. Really. I thought I was like, there's no way. There's no way he did this more than once. Um, I saw it in Mobile, in Mobile, Alabama. I was down there wrestling. I was down there wrestling for the Indies. Like, mm-hmm. not have anything to do with WWE. I was strictly down there for, like, six days. And I, and then WWE was coming to, like, Mobile, Pensacola, that area. And we just happened to go to this. They had bars that were open 24 hours like nightclubs and stuff. And we, we'd go there and then we just happened to roll in there. And we saw that WWE was in there and they didn't have like their private, they didn't have no private room. There was just so many of them that wherever they were at, that was like their room because mm-hmm. you know, you weren't just walking through in and out of there. Cause they were like on the side of the, of the, the restaurant bar kind of thing. And there was so many of them that was their room. And there was a, lady going around with the shots and the boys like um darso and people like that were like buying the trays of shots and they were they were just handing handing shots to us <laughs> thinking that we were there you know it was like 
make me it was make me and two other people that were just that ended up wandering over there and they treated us all great. The next thing you know, we hear we see Vision Man going up on the shoulders and we're like, What the fuck is this? And we were like, I don't know, maybe ten feet from it, and all of a sudden we see Hawk diving off the fucking bar. Like he didn't even stay he didn't stand up like do the whole entire like <laughs> you know, like right. But he just got up on that bar and just kind of like looked around and just dove off and just clotheslined the shit out of Vince. And it made it made a thud so loud that even with the music playing and everybody laughing, you could still hear the thump. Well, and what wrestler wouldn't take that opportunity? You of know? course. Yeah. Hey, Vince is Vince is allowing me to do this. There's no repercussions. He's probably that, a little bit drunk. That's funny that you said that that it happened somewhere else because I I, I always thought I was just thinking like, man, it, you know that as you said it happened again. I was like, well, now you gotta believe me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, that's exactly what I saw. Oh, it's great! <laughs> it's great! It's great hearing Brett tell the story of I think it's during his Hall of Fame speech, but when he's telling the story of. Vince uh, wanting the Hart Foundation to do their finisher on him. And he's like, I look over, there's no way we're going to do this. He's like, okay, I look over at, at Nightheart and he's just stroking his beard. <laughs> he's ready. He wants to do it. It's, it's a great, I can't tell the story like Brett can, but it's fucking great to see him tell that. Yeah, story. it's it's great for, it's great for Nightheart because if any if anybody's going to get punished, it's going to be Brett <laughs> because all Nightheart's got to do is just hold him up. Well, that and Nightheart, and it's like Vince always said, Nightheart owed him too much money for him to fire him. Yeah, he wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> and he was he was the lesser of all the evils here. Oh, I, I just got to hold him, and plus, you owe me money. And what's he going to do? Fire Brett? Because at that, that that time, the the foundation was 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 probably the top heel team, or Christ, it could have been baby faces at that point, mm-hmm. or at least on the verge of it. That's incredible. That Vince, that, that that's happened more than once. <laughs> he gets drunk. I wonder, if he, like Valentine puts him in the figure four. <laughs> Mulligan puts him in the claw. All, all the dumb moves. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, what about Patrick Brink? Oh, that's Genesis. Yeah, he's a he's another um, developmental um, uh, uh, guy that he actually went down. He went to Florida. He worked at the system. Um, and he got called up to, I, it would have been SmackDown. He got called up to SmackDown about a year or two after after this because he was on their radar. I was his first match. I was his trainer, mm-hmm. and I was his first match. And for years, when people would ask him, like, what's your favorite match? And he would always say, this is funny. And he was like, my first match was against the guy that trained me because – I remember, like, he was nervous as all hell, and um, I was just like, Pat, just chill out, man. It's just, it's gonna be just like the wrestling school. Like, we do it, we do it three times a week at the wrestling school. We, and me and you go like 30, 40 minutes at the wrestling school. It's gonna be just like it, except there's gonna be like a few hundred people looking at us, right? <laughs> and we can't redo something. You get it, Pat? <laughs> if you mess up, there's no. Uh, Oh, don't worry about it. We'll do it again. Let's take let's take it from the top. <laughs> like he's got me go back to the headlock, <laughs> and then I, I re back him into the ropes. Yeah, Genesis was pretty good. He was a solid big guy. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened um with his developmental deal, but I know as soon as it fell through, he he took a he took a major hiatus from the wrestling business. As in, see you later, wrestling business. I I think he I think it got to him. 
Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he thought that was like his, uh, that was going to be his one and only chance. Right. But I mean, the kid's like, you know, early twenties, and he's like six four, two forty. You know what I mean? Well, that I, sounds. It sounds like if with the, you talking about his nerves, if somebody has, you know, I don't want to say low self esteem, but has doubts and stuff like that, is maybe you get that shot and it doesn't work out and. Some people would react like that. Well, I'm washed out. I didn't make it the first time, so you know. Yeah, here I am. I fail. I fail at everything I do, and I'm still trying to not fail at stuff that I do. <laughs> I, I think I've fa- I've I've um I, I've succeeded at very little that I've tried. I just I just expect failure, I, I, but I just want to fail at a bigger scale. <laughs> it's like the line from that Gin Blossom song. If you don't expect too much, you won't be let down. That's right, dude. That's <laughs> on my resume, too, by the way. When, when it's, when it, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Jess popped for that. He just put a gin blossom. Oh, yeah, I forgot she's a big Jim. She's a big Jim Blossom, Mark. And she likes Jim Blossoms, too. <laughs> Jim Blossom. Sounds like a <laughs> She's wrestler. a big fan of Jim Blossom. He just moved in down the street. <laughs> On December 8th, Chad wrestled at Maximum Championship Wrestling. A lot of MCWs here. Oh, Maximum. Supercard. The Road to Full Access 4 in Blue Ridge Summit and lost the MCW champ- Heavyweight Championship match to Matt Turner or lost to MCW heavyweight champion Matt Turner in a non-title match. Matt Turner, I have absolutely no idea who that is. Blue Ridge is the place that it seemed to pop up a lot on my on on my schedule like for it seemed like it was a place that anybody could run. No licenses, no commission. It's right on the like the, the Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland line. It ain't too far out of the way and oh my god, it was just one shitty promoter after another ran ran there, and, and the only name that you, that I believe that you said that, that I remember was Maxim 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 Mike or whatever, Massive Mike or something. He, he was a little small, kind of a black guy. He was in shape, but he was like he was like way way smaller, and he was always promising me and Dino that he was going to run like I don't know, just like you know a bunch of other. Um, African Americans before him were going to start this company called the Urban Wrestling Federation. The Urban Wrestling Federation, and and then we want you and Dino to be like our token white guys, and because basically they were used us as jobbers. Right. We found we found that out later on. We were they were gonna they were gonna put some heat on us at first, and then just have the rest of the black people beat us. It's like, well, why don't you just do the obvious then, stupid? <laughs> if you're bringing us out just to beat us. Go ahead, throw the sheets on us. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Let's get the members, I mean, the people, what they want. We'll come out to Man of Constant Sorrow. It's fine. Yeah, that's what. That's right, dude. I mean, we could we could have our we could have our own kind of fire match, you know. Well, you know, we'll have the whole stakes and all that other nonsense if you want. Jesus Christ! But well, we can we can throw uh, Genesis under a Grand Poobah hood if you want to. <laughs> And plus, we're in the right part of town. We could actually make that happen. <laughs> if, we're, if we're one of them Whitaker, West Virginia towns, then uh, we could probably only a phone call away from making a rally happen. Last sentence of this paragraph, and we'll save the next paragraph for next week. At Holiday Homecoming 07, Chad lost to Ruckus at Michael's 8th Avenue in Glen Burnie. Wow. I wonder if that was a one. I don't think that was our first match, but yeah, man, that's my boy, man. Ruckus, 
nigga acts about him. That's my that's my boy, man. I can't I ain't that guy when he tells people that I that I trained him, like they think I'm some sort of like fucking United States Olympic gymnast guy. Cause that's what Ruckus does. The double back handspring cartwheel into a backflip float over, you know. He does all this in like an eighteen foot ring. How the hell do you do that? You know, and then you still splash the guy, and they're like, "You trained him?" I go, "Yeah, how to do wrist locks and headlocks and how to hit the ropes." <laughs> I'm not teaching him how to jump out of bedroom windows. <laughs> Did, That's how he got started, man. It, it just he he he's a guy that blows my mind watching him. That it, and maybe I'm wrong. But did he ever get any interest from WWE? Uh, Do you know? No, they always they they always um you see I think Briscoe, I think it was Gerald. Gerald told him that his problem was he was too short and he was too chubby. Like he was like he he's he's really a smaller guy, but he's kind of like like just he's kind of like a, um like a bowling ball kind of thing. He's kind of mm-hmm. like got a heavy mid he's not fat, but then Great Muda catches up on him, finds out about him cuz uh, he clawed one over, clawed one over, and did a tour for one of Muda's side projects, groups, whatever over there. Okay. And M- Muda saw him somewhere prior, I think, in L.A. at a show. I think because he's friend, he's he's friends with Swerve. Um, saw him on a show in like California or something. Books him for Japan, and by the time the Japan tour starts, Ruckus lost like sixty pounds and got himself in shape. And when he got to Japan, Muda didn't recognize him when he got off the plane. And then when uh, he, <laughs> Claude went out to Muda, he, uh, Ruckus said that, that Muda was disappointed because and and and, and he, he spoke some Japanese, but his interpreter told him Muda speaks English. But his interpreter told him that he was disappointed because he said now he's just a regular black guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think the interpreter meant to say it quite that way. <laughs> but it's just the way that I guess the way it came out in translation. You ain't nothing special. You're just a regular black guy. <laughs> regular old black guy you are. <laughs> like, so, well, I'm in Japan. There ain't a lot of us. So. <laughs> well, I mean, he's still kind of special. <laughs> We're gonna stand out. I mean, <laughs> you you might not be heading above, head and shoulders above the rest, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you're you're you're, you're black as coal. <laughs> Well, the episode of ECW we are reviewing this week is from January the 24th, 1995. And um, this is going to start the episodes that <coughs> take place on the tour of Florida that ECW has gone on. This one taking place in Fort, the, the footage from this one in Fort Lauderdale. And of course, we start the show with the public enemy. Ugh. I know, right? <laughs> I, I thought, I mean, it's classic. I don't mean classic as an all good. They had a couple of good lines, I thought. I the uh, I, I like the gimmick of you know the the game just gonna get on this this fucking freight train and head down to Florida. No, this is stupid. I mean, you gotta look at you gotta look at it. See, I know how you're looking at it, Aaron, and I I totally get it from the way that you're looking at it. You're looking at two grown men, like acting like this, looking like that. They're per, they're talking about going and stealing televisions and shit like that, but yet they're they're walking around with gold belts over their shoulders, like they're walking the streets of Philadelphia and shit, as you know, as tag team champions. And but the only thing they said they said in that whole promo that made any sense was how Rocco was telling Johnny have they had they had to save their money, like that's why they were still hopping in boxcars and not getting rental cars and hotels. And he's like, Johnny, we gotta save our money. 
I'm like, that's that's coming from that's coming from two hoodlums over there, and they're dressed well. They got they had nice ECW jackets that I wasn't even privy to. I wonder why I didn't get one of them. I don't know. They just come off as a couple R words. I don't know if I can use the R word. They come off as a couple R words. What's the R word? Racist? No. Retarded. Oh, Whitakers. Well, the R Whitakers is the new is the new retarded word. Well, they they we get we get a video of some some highlights of I guess you call them of uh, Public Enemy. Anybody know what? Chad, maybe I don't know that that show that they were working in that video and who they were working with. Do you, is that did that ring any bell to you? Um, me no, because like I said, I didn't do I didn't do the Florida runs, but one of the towns I knew there was Ocala, it was Tampa, and then there was another town that they were running. So to me, I think that may have been Ocala. Okay, but yeah, yeah I, I, the guys that they're like beating up with the chairs and stuff, I didn't recognize them, so I didn't know it was probably just local Florida then. Oh yeah, totally it was, and we still got. While they're down there, they still had to come across um, that tag team of five Delta Slam. Mm-hmm. They still had to work them. They had, hadn't worked them yet. The uh, then after that, they are now now Public Enemy is in Florida. They're in front of a a mural of the Daily Planet and um, cutting the promo about being in Florida. Finally, Aaron, any notes on this? Well, I just put the retards cut a promo about Superman. Oh, <laughs> the Daily Planet. The Daily, they're on another planet. And they want to beat up Superman, but then they realize that Superman doesn't live in Florida. He lives in Metropolis. Oh, yeah, I remember that line. Yeah. I think they still yeah. haven't realized that he doesn't exist. Yeah, he's not real. And they're still grown men. In their pajamas. Fucking morons. <laughs> it's so hard to believe that people got into them. If there were any windows around, they would have licked them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, pretty much. They're 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 acting one step above it. Hopping trains with stolen TVs. I mean, what a, kind of a getaway car is a train that's going nowhere? And what are you going to plug a TV in at? They are idiots. <laughs> well, after the idiots, we get Joey Styles. He's doing the introduction, talking about their, how they're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this week, and then he shows us the footage from last week at the of the finish of the Pitbulls Bad Breed match. And everything that went down with Ian and Axel's breakup at the end of the show. They finally did something right with their recaps. Like before this, they would just show you pretty much everything. Yeah. So when they were like, we'll just show you the last like two minutes and basically the, the brass tactics of it instead of showing you the entire fucking match again. So I have well, no they problem. Got, they got new content. Yeah, I got no problem with recapping. You got to recap in wrestling because you're obvious, and especially when you're like a young promotion like this or whatever. But this was this didn't piss me off that they recapped it. You know what I mean? Because they did it quick. Here's what happened. Yeah. So I didn't mind this. And they edited out Ian pulling up his trunks. I wonder if that was ever brought up. We gotta edit that out. Get that shit out of there. <laughs> they could, they could have showed Ian in the back trying to borrow Tommy Dreamer suspenders. <laughs> I want I the, this I want big the, match. I want the green sparkly ones. They're festive. <laughs> Me and Ashley got this big match tonight. I can't be spending the whole entire match pulling up my pants. Good stuff. Well, after the recap, Joey tells us that you can hear the bad breed debate on the hardcore hotline by calling oh. it up. I'm sure that was 
thrilling to listen to. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. I'm sure I wonder, like, that was all, you know, that was all just pre-taped stuff. Mm-hmm. That, you know what I mean? That, that Paul could probably plop in on a, on a Back then, we all used to use them old big cassette um, answering machine tapes. You know, they used like re- regular cassettes. And, and the best the best part about them was you can get, you can put any cassette in there. So if you, like, I, I had a wrestling hotline. Everybody had a hotline. And you can just get an answer machine that took cassettes. And you just buy like a regular T a TDK, whatever, 90-minute blank cassette. And you can run your own hotline and just take calls all day long. <laughs> It makes me think of that. Makes me, th- makes me think of that time back when, well, back when the mothership would air more than once a year. That fucking wrestling hotline that Brian Last would call on the mothership. That oh god, what was that guy's name? I don't even remember now. But anyway, doesn't matter. Um, Steve Beverly. No, 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 no. This oh, is just some like local New York guy. Hey, hello, welcome. Thanks for calling the hotline. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. I can't remember his name either, but I know exactly what we're yeah. talking about. The uh, the next thing on the show, where he'd be like, "Remember him?" Yeah, remember him. <laughs> over the list I, of Ivan Koloff. Remember him? The Russian man. Forget about it. The uh, the next match or the first match, I guess, on the show is a really really good match. Awesome. At least it should be, is what I wrote. Scorpio versus Benoit, and. One thing that I wrote down here, and I'm not saying that that there weren't there weren't ECW fans in the crowd, but with them being in Florida, this crowd is definitely more a what do you want to say, run of the mill, just going to an indie, an indie wrestling show crowd, obviously, than the ECW arena crowd. Just you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have the same energy. They probably didn't know how to act. You hear people laughing instead of you know what I mean, like at certain things. There's, there's one point during this match, this guy's like, kick him in the balls, too <laughs> shoot. It came yeah. up on closed captioning. <laughs> it, it legitimately That's did. Great. <laughs> I, I, I was watching it, and I just, I just the guy yelled it like three times. Yeah, I was he, yelled it, he, he yelled it right at a time when Joey Styles wasn't talking. And I'm, watch, I'm reading, because for some reason I get caught up in that closed captioning. I, they got to get rid of that. I can't do it. And, and it's just kick him in the balls. <laughs> I was like, no shit. I was like, the, it, Jess was here. I was like, dude, they picked the mic picked it up from close captioning. Kick was, him in the was, ball. That, that guy said, like you said, he like said at one point, it's like at numerous points, he just keeps screaming, kick him in the balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Joey Styles was still kind of talking louder then. <laughs> it, was, it was just that one time where Joey Styles shuts up. <laughs> the guy gets a good one in. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> yeah, that Scorpio, that Scorpio and Benoit match, that was a, that was pretty good, man. It, it was solid, and yeah. I bet, and I, I, I bet you, I don't even know, I can't, I can't tell if that, if that was a, an, an at night match or like a TV taping match, or if that was like, you know, because when we do shows like that, I can't remember all the other people that were on the show, but they were like a Friday. Saturday and like two shows on Sunday or something, or two shows on Saturday and then a show on Sunday or something. But yeah, I'm sure they wrestled probably for, um, if they didn't work for, for Paul on Friday, they probably worked for Carluzzo, like right across the, right across the street, basically. I can always tell a match is good because I have less notes. 
because I'm actually watching the match and enjoying it instead of watching the match and like picking it apart and you know this is garbage or this was bad or whatever. So my notes wind up being like great wrestling, you know, because I'm just I'm I, by the time I realize I haven't taken any notes, I've gone like six or seven minutes watch, just watching the match. It was I, I wrote I wrote should be good. And then I wrote right after it. I wrote it was good. Is it good mm-hmm. stuff? There, there's also an annoying cowbell in the background. But anyway, I didn't notice that. Like, is Christopher Walken here? <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. What this match needs is more cowbell. I, it didn't need more cowbell. And actually, what it really needed was it really needed to be to be presented in its full length. Yeah, where what it really should have been, what it really needed, they could have cut out a lot of this nonsense that's on this show. Aaron, did you take any more detailed action notes than I did? Um, well, there's the kick him in the balls guy, and then um, <laughs> kick him in the balls guy. I did, I did, I did write down, and I don't want to cut you off. I know I just asked you for your, but I just want want to mention. This is one of those times where I, I, I note it because it's, Scorpio hits a perfect moonsault in this match. He always does. Like, even somebody is, like, basically who invented it, like, Muda is probably jealous <laughs> of how, how good Scorpio is with that. It's so effortless. Mm-hmm. He literally just, it's like it's like Kurt Angle, but see, I, I, I always have a feeling that Kurt Angle has a better chance at messing up than Scorpio. It's like Scorpio could do it without even thinking about it. And I think Scorpio or Angle is the kind of guy that's got to get up there and kind of go, okay, is he, is he, is he in the right spot? I don't think Scorpio, I think he can just, he can like hit go or reverse in midair. You know, like if you overshot, he can just go forward all of a sudden, like right before he lands. And, and you're talking about like the effortless thing. Like that's my thing about Scorpio that I've always thought is like, Everything the guy did to me seemed like it was like effortless. Like, it was. There's like no hole in that fucking dude's game in the ring. Like I know out of the ring he's been his own enemy sometimes, but just in that fucking inside the ropes, there's like no fucking hole in his game. At yeah, all. it's like we only- always say. It's like we always say he's not a fantastic promo, but that doesn't matter because he backs it. He what. He can cut a silly promo, and then he's going to give you the best 20 minutes you watch all night. Yeah, I basically the only – I would say the only holes in his game, if it's even really a hole, is, like, his punches. Because he doesn't really punch a lot, and, and they're not really, like – they're, like, they're like I, I hate the classic wrestling punch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not even – his aren't even that good. So it's like – that's why he must have realized a long time ago, if they're not going to be that good, I'm not going to do a whole, whole bunch of them. Like he does him just enough to back the guy into the corner, to set the guy up for the next spot. He's not having a slugfest at all. That that ain't happening. Yeah, other than that, like it's it's not even like his fundamentals. It's just because he's so smooth that he's so fundamentally sound. But yeah, it's it's just it's like stuff like that that I think it was it's his worst part of his game. And and that that's just that's if you got to pick something. It's yeah. kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how that works. Oh, god, sorry. I was just gonna say it's kind of crazy how that works. Like. Also, one of my favorite workers of all time, but shitty punch is Jake Roberts. Mm. And the re- the reason I say that is when I was and when I was a kid and a teenager, the guy that was, people would always point to wrestling's phony, blah 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 blah, would be because Jake Roberts was the guy that did like the the punch stomp thing, you know, like he would stomp when he would punch, and, and he would also and, slap his arm too. 
Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, Scorpio and Jake, two fantastic workers, shitty punches. <laughs> well, you know, if you can do everything else at, at 100% and, and perfect, then I guess, you know, you can, you can, you gotta suck at something. Right. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. I mean, there's, you're not breaking out into a skee ball game or <laughs> in the middle of it. And you're like, hey, I, that ain't my strong point. And then I know, um, you don't want to like, like heap a lot of praise onto his opponent, but his opponent's another guy that in the in the ring, like promo wise, not that great. But in the ring, you can't find a lot of holes. Like he couldn't have found a lot of holes in his game either. So it's like, how is this not going to be a good fucking ben, Benoit? Benoit has. I don't know that you could say Benoit had a hole in his game in the ring. No, that, that's that's the best part is Ever. you have a you had the makings. You have all the makings of a dying dynamite program right there. As long as it's not re- as long as it's not promo related, and nobody, yeah. Yeah, nobody, just <laughs> wins and losses. They, they just show like a still picture of them, and then they just insert their own words and close captioning. Yeah, like there's just no there's no voices. It's just like Benoit. <laughs> I'll see you at the ECW arena on so and so. It's like don't let Sucker. them talk. Just let them work. And That's great. They they're not they're not allowed to speak to each other, <laughs> and then. They're going to eventually lead to a match where a loser has to read the um, Declaration of Independence. It's, no, it's like it's like whose line is it anyway? The loser has to read the credits in the in the in the form of Charles Dickens' novel or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they they would have to do some kind of ebonics on a pole or something. They would have to do some sort of um, a, a gimmick match where they would have to speak publicly. They got to do like the. Um, was at the Pledge of Allegiance at a, at, a, at a local school for like a month. <laughs> anything, just I can just see him doing anything that involves them speaking in public. The loser, the loser has to do a five minute stand up routine at the Apollo. <laughs> Improv. <yeah. laughs> you got, they they blindfold you and just shove you out there. They drive you there in a, in a in a car where you're blindfolded, get you up there, and they shove you out there, take the blindfold over here, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Benoit. <laughs> Chris Benoit's Chris ben thing would be here to do here to do uh, stand up is Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit gets up and goes, "I have to do stand up. I have to do stand up." Because he would just repeat whatever his opponent said, and then of course, uh, yeah, of course, uh, Scorpio would be like, "Whoop! There it is." Uh, yeah, here comes the hot stepper. I got a man. What your man got to do with me? Too- <laughs> Whoop! There it is. Whoop! There it is. It's time for me to start flapping my ears and get the hell out of here. <laughs> here, here come the hot stepper. All right, <laughs> the the finish. I don't even have a like a good description for it. It was it was innovative. It was cool. Uh, it was che- it was cheesy way out with that stupid little roll up thing. Yeah, Benoit went for like a, a, a double arm back suplex, and Scorpio stopped it, and then he dropped down on him and and pinned him that way. It's, it was, it's, a, it's an easy way. What do they call that? They call it a quick one. Yeah, it was, it was an easy out. It didn't make Scorpio look bad because he got like, you know, taken out or whatever. It was just a quick way to end it. And and I, it was a really good match, but the finish to it was just kind of like, eh. Well, you wanted to keep, you wanted to, like, I, I can see the way they did it because first off, Scorp's coming back for a lot more dates. Benoit is going to be a lot more limited. So therefore, you got a little more leeway to play with when you're trying to present your point to Benoit, saying we'd like to have you, we'd like to have 
score go over because you know what where you're, where you're going to be going back to WCW soon anyway. Well, no, I was going to say he's 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 not at WCW at that that won't be until like September. But I was going to say and correct me if I'm wrong. He's going he's going back and forth to Japan at this point, isn't he, Benoit? Oh well, yeah. yeah, I mean, whether it could be Japan, it could be WCW, it could be anything at that point. But the the the, the bottom line is is that Scorpio is pretty much going to be there every month, right? And and you know you know where you're flying him in from. I mean, I'm not sure he's moved to Atlanta yet from Denver, but he's, he's probably if he's already been if, if Scorpio's already been in WCW, there's probably a good chance that he's already moved to Atlanta. Benoit, Benoit even has. Um... Um, WWF interest at this time too, because I think it's only what well, we're in. We're in yeah. Miami. This is this is this is around the time frame where he does the he wrestles at the TV taping in a dark match, and he's managed by DiBiase. Yeah. Oh, I never know about this. Wow. Yeah, they, I think he had. I think he had two nights. I don't remember where it was, but he had two nights. One night he wrestled, and he didn't have a manager. And then the next night they sent him out with DiBiase as his manager. Huh. I wonder where this was at. Yeah, I cannot remember. I, I used to know, but I can't remember now what the where it actually was at. And I wonder, I wonder if anybody would have any tape of this. That would be cool as shit. I know, I know, I don't know. I've ever seen tape. I've seen photos, but like, I think he was honestly. I think he was um, gonna. They thought he might end up. I don't want to. I don't want to say this is what it was. But I think he was the initial. <laughs> guy they were thinking about with what they plugged Steve into. With the ringmaster, yeah. Yeah. Well, if he was, he this would this idea would have had to have been in works for a while, this ringmaster idea. Because aren't we still a little bit a little bit away from that? The actual Yeah, that uh, Austin comes in in December of ninety five with that deal. But uh, that was also I think what is what is uh Pritchard call it the bucket of gimmicks or something? Just like one of the generic gimmicks the grab bag. That? Yeah, the grab bag of gimmicks. It the boxo gimmick. Yeah, pretty much. Killy McFreeze here. Killy McFreeze, everybody. Well, then we get Joey Styles talking about upcoming February the 4th at the ECW Arena and how the uh, the new Tully Blanchard is no longer with ECW, so we don't know who is going to challenge for the ECW title at that card. Um and then he hypes up that next week on the show, we're going to see a match between the public enemy versus Sabu and Taz, which then we roll into a Paul E dangerously promo about that match. And, and I like how, you know, I, I, obviously it's Paulie. It's a good promo. Um, you know, it's funny. I, and, I, and it doesn't sound to me like you had, you caught it, but I think they, they had said that Tully, they had Tully Blanchard had like just signed with, or he, he, he wasn't going to be. Yeah. They, the, um, the the thing that Joey was trying to explain it was like it was very convoluted, but um, he was he said uh, the new the new Tully Blanchard is supposed to um, face um, Shane Douglas or Ron Simmons whoever wins the championship, but Todd Gordon has decided that a new Tully Blanchard isn't ECW worthy, so now he's not going to face him. So we have no idea what our title match is going to be. Is essentially what he said. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, you never know. It could be. It could have been Joe Blanchard. <laughs> a Blanchard's gonna gonna show up. So, so what I took away from it was our main event of the show is gonna be 
somebody defending against somebody. I, I have no idea. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, what? Because I even think Miss Jess, her, 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 head, her head even peaked up when I was like, wait a minute. Didn't they just say he wasn't going to be there? <laughs> I couldn't. I, I legitimately was like, well, I'm not going to rewind it, you know, because I'm already making her watch this as it is. And then I'm like, I'm pretty sure they said he wasn't going to be there. Then they said he was going to be there. The new Tully Blanchard, old Tully Blanchard, the ghost of Tully Blanchard. <laughs> the ghost of Mr. Chicken. <laughs> Tully Blanchard stand in. And then when he goes, Mr. Hughes could even be there. You never know. What's he doing? Case of emergency. It's the ghost of Tully Blanchard. Get the Undertaker. <laughs> That's right. Who do you think's in the urn? <laughs> it's Joe Blanchard. Yep. <laughs> Christ, you imagine how much how he's got to be way more than dust by that point. That that'd be believable if he had Joe Blanchard in the urn. And, and then Tully Blanchard could be saying that my father's still alive, and he goes, "No, he's not." <laughs> Your father ain't been alive since the late 80s. Well, after Paulie's promo about the Taz match, the Taz public enemy or P public enemy Sabu Taz match, we get another extreme encyclopedia. However, this one has the repeat of Sandman, the repeat of woman, but it has Cactus Jack and his obviously his encyclopedia name is Bangus Bangus. And um, that was it. Just Bangus 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 Bangus. <laughs> It's like it's like uh, Coco Samoa from Wango Pango. It's Bangus Bangus. <laughs> okay, I didn't even I didn't catch that. I must have been uh, doing my toenails or something. But the reason they showed us these these uh, these characters is Sandman next week on the show is going to have a false count anywhere match with Sand with uh, Cactus Jack. I don't think this is the match where Sandman gets concussed by the frying pan. No, that's later. Okay. Well, we'll see that later on then. But yeah, that's supposed to be on next week's show, Cactus Jack and the Sandman in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, Aaron, any notes on the last few minutes we've talked about before we move on? Uh, not really. I mean, it's just like I said, the Tommy Dreamer, or Tommy Dreamer, the Tully Blanchard stuff was, I don't understand. I, at the, I get it at the end of the show. But during it, I'm like, so he's not there, but he's there. I <laughs> did, exactly. Say, what is going on? You really had to watch it. That's the worst part about it. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't mean it that way. I mean, the worst part about it is you could always just sit here and you can watch it and you can have life going around you and still know what's going on. But then when you're kind of like, you hear stuff and then I like, as I'm moving around and something's on, I hear, wait a minute, he's there, he's not there. I don't know, whatever. Throw my hands in the air and wave him like he's not even there. <laughs> or I think. Maybe that's what not. that's what Scorpio said. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, then we get a replay, kind of, of the last of last week's video of Raven just walking around Polly Dangerously's neighborhood in the winter. Uh, in the winter, shorts on and his stupid Doc Martin boots, <laughs> staring at, pants. broodingly staring at the camera. Again, he's walking back to the Seven Eleven. That, that reminds me of some people around here. Like when they, I should, go they, the, should, they should show they should have showed him walking back back the other direction with a big pickle. Yeah, like when the, <laughs> the, the pickle in a pouch, <laughs> the kind you get at the counter when you're when you're when you're when you're, when you're way out. He's <laughs> got like a big pickle on a Slurpee and a slim one of them gigantic Slim Jims. You could hurt somebody with it. I'm so depressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm eating barbecue pork rinds over here. Jesus. Yeah, uh, like that's how I, I know. I know people around here where I live that um, 
like I know people around here that live where I live. Uh, that instead of going to the store and getting everything you need, they go to the store and get what they need right then and there, and then come home and they realize they need something else, and they just go back out and get something else. Not me, dude. I'm one and done when I go out. Same. If I when I get when I get off work or whatever, when I go out on a day off, if I didn't get what I wanted in that first initial getting out, I don't got it. 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 I'm in. I'm in for the night. Yep. Whether it's whether it's two in the afternoon or eight o'clock at night, I'm in for the night. Yeah, I mean, if I if I'm not if I'm not good enough in my game to realize I don't have what I need, <coughs> oh, I got to sneeze though. Um, then that's my fault. Like, I, I'm I'm actually kind of screwed tonight <coughs> for a, till the morning time because I'm on a I'm on a beer budget now, and the lovely Miss Jess now is now rationing me down to twelve a day, and she takes the rest of them. And puts them in her car, so she goes to work with, with the rest of my beer in the car. So I'm forced only twelve a day, and, and I can't even. I don't. I don't have no way to. I don't have no money. She took all my money. Took all my credit cards. It's in my baby doll. She left me with a bill for four thousand thirty five dollars of assorted entertainment, men and booze. I'm still trying to pay that off for no job. I was Weird. fucking mad today. I went to the gas station the day before work because I needed a fucking pot for the ride to work, and. This fucking lady in front of me was buying cigarettes, sugar babies, and a Mountain Dew. Okay, that's what she was buying: cigarettes, sugar babies, and a Mountain Dew. That is that is a sixty to ninety cent. Per, uh, sorry, sixty to ninety second transaction. Should be, but she was buying this shit with dimes and nickels out of a Crown Apple bag. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I was the guy behind her. I was like, are you fucking serious? That's priority, I to, buddy. I was like, I have to get to work. Well, you're going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> fucking I mean, brown apple bag. You she, she's good, she's good to go as long as she ain't got pennies. Because <laughs> I've done it before. I've went, to the, I've went to the liquor store with like $13 or $15 and change. And dumped it out on the counter. But thank God, the liquor store that I always go to, I know I can get away with it. I, I walk in, I walk in there with a big Ziploc full of change, and throw an eighteen pack on the counter. And the guy's like thirteen bucks, whatever. I just hear a big of change all over the counter, and I, I'm all picking up nickels off the floor and shit. I'm fine I, with it. I'm fine with it. But she could have been like, "You can go first. Oh, of course. Oh yeah, totally. She didn't. She didn't. She had no shame. She was just fucking counting out fucking dimes and nickels out of her fucking crown apple bag. Yeah, and 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 sometimes uh, I go there and if I if I'm if I know I'm going to be busy doing something and I buy two thirty packs and I'm standing in line with one in each hand and the girl's got a slim jim. She's getting a couple little miniature shots of vodka for the bus. And next thing I know, she goes, "Oh, I need some lottery too." And I go, "Oh." oh, oh, oh. <laughs> There's this guy who looks like Teddy Long. He fucking does the lottery at the gas station a lot too, and I'll get stuck behind him. But he's at least cool about it. He'll be like, "Oh, help out this, like, <laughs> help out young blood here first. I'm like, "Thank you, I appreciate that, Teddy." Yeah, because some of them fucking bones know that they can be a while. They're going to be a while when they break out a piece of paper and they got to unfold it first. Yeah, that's not good for business. <laughs> he's like. He's like- He's like, I got five scratch-offs and the Undertaker. 
I don't have any money, but look at my uncle left me as well. It's a metal urn thing. Yeah. <laughs> See what that's worth. <laughs> yeah, Teddy Long, he's cool with the fucking lotto. He'll let somebody go first, but this fucking crown apple bitch. <laughs> crown apple bitch. She wasn't giving up. No. Nah. Yeah, well, there you go. Fucking sugar babies, cigarettes, and some Mountain Dew. That's all you need. <laughs> I mean, too bad they didn't. That's like the lost scene from the jerk. <laughs> all I need. <laughs> Sugar baby, crown apple. <laughs> Some cigarettes. I don't need anything else. Except. That's great. What was the next thing on the show? Next, we're next, we're back, next we're back to our Tully Blanchard story because Joey, Joey does a segment where he talks about Tully, not no longer the old or the new Tully Blanchard no longer being with ECW, and uh, he kind of like, you know, I used to respect the Horseman, now I don't know if I do, et cetera, et cetera, and not knowing who's going to challenge Shane Douglas on the fourth of February. Yeah, well, it's Barry and Tully, which which it's funny what happens later on in the show. By saying that they, they, they're kind of burying Tully now, mm-hmm. like post production, but don't we see Tully later on? Yes, we do. All right, there we go. And then we get a Raven promo. He's a, he's on a swing set. He's angsty, and he makes a reference to Tommy Dreamer. It's not very clear what he's trying to get at, of course, because we're we're dealing in in uh, trying to build the story here. So we're he's not going to. He's on. A, is he on a swing set waiting for the Grand Wizard? <laughs> Like Paulie told him to meet him at the playground. He's going for about booking about booking dates. He's and on the like, swing set at Camp Lejeune. <laughs> yeah, hang on. <laughs> me and me and Ernie will be there in a little while. And you see it coming back from the woods. <laughs> the wizard's zipping up. Yeah, one of one of them's got a slight limp. <laughs> Paulie looks all disheveled. <laughs> he looks all humbled. <laughs> you have been blessed. And then we roll into our main event. Of the show, it is the ECW Championship, Ron Simmons and Shane Douglas. Okay, yeah, well, I wrote Good Lord before it. And wasn't this another non-finish? This was, this was the Tully thing. Yes. But was there a finish? Uh, the The story of the match was that Ron Simmons was going to the match with a dislocated <laughs> shoulder. Um, for, for what it's worth, I actually liked these guys' feud. But yeah, the story is that Ron's got a in like a dislocated right shoulder, and um, Shanky's working over the shoulder. Ron gets like bursts of energy in the match or whatever. But then they do like a convoluted spot where Ron is gonna try to like superplex or something, fucking Shane off the top, and Shane jumps down and slams Ron's arm across the rope. And then the ref stops the match. I can't believe the fans. Was was this the arena? No, this was this was this was that fucking rodeo building they did in Fort Lauderdale. If they would have done this in the ECW arena, it would have been bad. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. That would not went well. That shit been went over well in the ECW arena anyway. That guy would have been like, "Kick the ref in the balls!" <laughs> Jesus. Like if they're gonna do this finish, they did it in the right in front of the right people. But yeah, <laughs> kick the referees in the balls, and the fans are gonna write in for their match, and they're gonna have a a boot camp Lejeune match. 
<laughs> That'd be the best. I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push for that in Maryland. A camp, a camp Lejeune death match. Ends yeah. in rape. Like Aaron said, it's a non-finish. The referee throws the match out because of uh, because of Simmons' shoulder. Um, Scorpio comes to the ring to, I guess, try to advise Ron to back off. You're hurt. You shouldn't be competing. You shouldn't be trying to fight Shane at this point. Um, which I I'd be think, pissed off if I was Ron. I think this actually leads to Ron turning on Scorpio. I mean, we'll find oh, okay. out. I, I could I, see but Ron, I think so. Like I never told, I never come out doing your matches and tell them anything about you. What the hell? And why's it got to be you? Why can't it be a white guy? Why can't it be like Donnie and Mikey running out there? Well, no, Mikey's getting pushed. Why couldn't it be Dino and 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 Paul Luria? Rock and Rebel. He's gone, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. gone. <laughs> they weren't they weren't bringing him to Florida. <laughs> you're paying for your own trans if you're coming to Florida. And plus, you're not. Oh, fuck! At this point, everybody's paying for their own trans. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I know. I knew I was supposed to be if I was going to go. That's why I didn't go. You know, else probably, you know who else probably bought a couple trans? The Grand Wizard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he got he got a couple of trans. All right, transsexuals. He transmitted something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> transgendered. <laughs> In a trans am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we get a Shane promo after the match. Of course, he's insulting the the Florida crowd, pretty much calling them stupid rednecks. Issues an open challenge, and then the guy we've been talking about all night that isn't going to be in ECW anymore, Tully Blanchard, shows up. But it's the old Tully Blanchard. But it's the old Tully Blanchard, and that's that's the that's the gimmick here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. All week they are all evening they've been talking about how the new Tully Blanchard. It's not going to be an ECW. They thought the, the, the gist of the story is the new Tully, the new Tully Blanchard is a weak wrestler, and now he's decided to go back to his roots and become an asshole and an ass kicker again. It was convoluted and just they realized what they bought when they had it, and were like, "This is going to be bad." Well, this this I don't understand why they even went went as far with this as it did because I don't think Tully comes back, right? No, he has another match with Shane because there's a, there's a match on TV. I remember seeing it. Does Shane go over? Does Shane finally go over on him? It's probably a non finish, I guess. Because I mean, we've already talked about this on a previous show as to why Tully didn't stick around because he wanted a three month deal. Didn't we talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he wasn't going to stick around, so Paul must have Paul must have pitched him on something that for him to even be a, to look as weak as he was. And yeah, I think I think the match is on TV, but I think you're right. I think it's a one and done. Like they have the match, but it's that's the only that's the only match between well, the two guys. Paul Paul got a clear I got a pretty good clear idea that he, you can't do business with Tully. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you you're basically running a glorified independent show. You know. You can't be committing to like you know all these months with with one guy. You know what I mean, like, might not even be open in three months. What do you? I, basically, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean by running an independent show. I can't, especially at your price. And that's why I always say, and I know I don't want to get I don't want to get in the weeds or get off the rails here, but that's why I always say ECW doesn't survive without Terry Funk because he was that guy that was a name. 
that was willing to have the patience for this company to grow. Yeah. And I'm sure there was other, I'm sure there was other um, facts that are, that were involved that we don't know about. Cause I'm, I know Tully's a bit, I mean, uh, Terry's a business guy, mm-hmm. you know, I know he's willing to help people out. I, I know, especially he went out on a limb for, for Eddie. Um, but you know what I mean? And I'm sure he, I'm sure he was fair with his price, but he still wasn't doing it for next to nothing. Right. You know, if you're going to book him for a couple of days and then, yeah, you get him for a weekend and you're taking care of all, all of his hotel and all that stuff. Sure. But yeah, you ain't just bringing him in to do silly stuff with, he ain't going to do it. And Tully's the same, Tully's, Tully's the same way. He wasn't bringing me being brought in for nonsense. And, and he definitely wasn't going to look weak for somebody who's just now starting his independent run that didn't last long. This is good. I don't know how to phrase this question that I want to ask you, Chad. Um, you just said about 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 like a guy like Terry. He's not coming in for chump change. He wants his pay. He wants what he wants. Within reason, obviously, he's not going to say, this small company, I want 20 grand tonight. But as a promoter, if you have a guy like Terry and he wants he wants a set amount of money and he's not working the show unless he gets that set amount of money, do you book do you book less undercard talents to make up for the fact that Terry wants more money? Uh it kind of it well, I mean that I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say. You know, like, I, I know what you're I know what you're saying, but at that point, if if you're hell bent on if you're gonna use Terry, like all right, we're we're gonna go with Terry as our basically our flag bearer of our right. Pumps. So we're we're gonna be using him this so we're gonna we're gonna automatically have to set aside X amount of you know at that at the end of the day it's gonna be tens of thousands of dollars. So, you know, when you got a budget, which they did definitely had a budget, um, that's gonna eat into eventually uh, eventually something that you might want to do later on down the line. You might have to, you know, either try to get the other talent for less money or 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 try to you know do a deal with Funk, but Funk's going to oh. get his money probably up front or, anyway. Or, or your undercard stinks because you have to t- you have to book lesser talent <laughs> for your yeah, undercard. But, but even if, if your undercard stinks because of name value, you're still going to get guys that are going to be willing to do it for free that are still pretty decent <laughs> mm-hmm. that just want to be there. So right. I mean, your undercard might might suffer, but it might not suffer as, as bad as if it was for another company, you know, <laughs> like a right. lesser known company that didn't have TV. Oof, could you imagine? If you were like just running a, a regular show and all you could afford was just Terry Funk, and you, and that was your whole entire budget, the talent you're going to get for that show tonight, you get the uh, the promoter versus the popcorn guy and Terry Funk versus King Kong Bundy. That's your card, ladies and gentlemen. And, and then Rehoboth Beach Boys, whatever <laughs> they're on spring break. Well, at the end of the show, of course, D Malenko and Chris Benoit come out to help um, Shane Douglas fend off Tully Blanchard. And uh, we end the show with with Shane Douglas with Tully in a figure four leg lock. Um, I I know what they were trying to do with with Tully. They were trying to tell a one night story, you know. Pretty and, much. And, and 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 I mean, you know, come later on, uh, ECW, the WWF, and WCW do that a lot. Come the Monday Night Wars. So this is kind of a precursor to that, you know. And Aaron, you might we've discussed it before in our show. You know, you'd have a Monday Night Raw where you told a story throughout the night, you know, and whether good or bad, the premise is here for that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I just, like I said, I just think it was kind of convoluted and I just, I don't, I think, like I said, I think when they, when they 
bought Tully Blanchard. They didn't realize what they were getting, and it's just it wasn't good. Yeah, it was a bad deal. It was just a bad deal for. It was a bad deal. They got stuck with Tully. That's the that's the bad part about it. Was after it was all said and done, they still had Tully probably wrapped up in in promotional value, um, advertisement value. Um, so they kind of got. I would say they probably got stuck with him. Now we gotta fucking bring him in. Mm-hmm. And then so now he's got us by the gimmick, and and then you know so. But what are you gonna do? I I would. I mean, if you're only going to have them for like a couple, a couple of shows, that you you definitely got to do. You definitely got to hot shot them, and and get them get them over as much as you can, just so you can beat them on the way out, which is which is like right around the corner. <laughs> That's kind of hard to do. And then it's like, oh my god, it's 1995, and he's coming out with his cutoff tucked into his jeans and his knee pads over his jeans. <laughs> I can't even remember. I, the, the, I can't remember what his shirt said. It was green, which I I've never seen an ECW shirt in green, but Tully found one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember it said ECW on the front, and then I don't remember what it said on the back. <laughs> I, didn't either, I didn't even think it said ECW in the front. <laughs> I just knew it was a terrible shirt. And his gym shorts. It's like oh, he loves them gym shorts. They once were the Grand Wizards. That's what I heard. Well, guys, overall to end the show. What did we think about this episode of ECW? Good, Aaron. I really liked the uh, Chris Benoit Two Cold Scorpio match, and like I said, I, I enjoy. I have enjoyed the Ron Simmons Shane Douglas feud, but the finish of that was trash. Um, <laughs> it was. It was all right. I'd put it like if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a C. Pretty much. Yeah, and I agree. It's, it's it was an average show. With one great match, one good match, and and their advancing storylines. You know? I, I I just liked how the show looked different. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it had because it was in a different arena, different, you know what I mean, different crowd. Like that's always a plus for me when it, it makes it makes the company definitely seem bigger. Like, oh well they're in Florida. This is their Florida building. And I, that I think always holds up. Yeah, I'm I'm that way with when I when I watch WWF stuff, like old WWF stuff. You know, you see so much from the garden, and then it's so cool when you, oh, wow, hey, it's the spectrum. And, you know, it has that different look. It has that different vibe. They go, like, the forum or whatever. It was good shit. <laughs> There's that, that announcer in the spectrum. It's like, here he is! Isn't that Ron Trodgard? <laughs> no, it's not Trongard. It's I, I actually looked him up one night when I was drunk and going down to fucking wormhole. But he was like a DJ in, 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 uh, in, in Philly. I don't remember his name. But yeah, he's one of those guys that over-announces somebody. Like, here he is. Look at him. His hair is cut tonight. He's got <laughs> on green tights. He ate some Cheetos before he came out here. Look at this guy. <laughs> the it's, old Don Owens trick. It's uh, it's Don Morocco. Here he is. Don <laughs> that's, Morocco. That sounds like Don, some Don Owens stuff. Don, Don yeah. Owens just, just ad-libs stuff to their name. Speaking of going down the wormhole, I think that's uh, the Grand Wizard's autobiography, wasn't it? <laughs> Could be. Next time I go to Ollie's, if I get that job, I'll look in their, <laughs> I'll look in their book section and see if they got the Grand Wizard's autobiography going down the wormhole. <laughs> the, the stories of uh, Hamburg. <laughs> the Hamburg Chronicles. I was at Camp Lejeune. It was 3 a.m. This yeah, young man, this young pudgy man, Paul Heyman, came <laughs> upon me. And then, I, and then I came upon him. He, he he had a taste of the cosmic cookie. 
<laughs> I thought it was a decent show. I guess um, if I had. <laughs> For once, Chad is the guy. That is the guy getting us back on the rails. That, that was a Nate, that was a Nate transition right there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The only the only reference we didn't get in tonight, I think, was R.C. Mitchell. But He's there's always post production. He's coming on saying we'll leave him alone. I'll have everybody know Archie is out of the hospital, back home, and doing all right. So, oh, good for him. He's back from Camp Lejeune. <laughs> he's walking a little funny, but otherwise, he's okay. He he just came back from the woods with the Grand Wizard and Paul. Or <laughs> he was still there. They left him there. The Grand Wizard wanted to know what Arch was cooking, <laughs> and it was well, fun stuff. And now he's back from the hospital after like three decades. Turns out he was just cooking chili dogs. It was- <laughs> oh, good lord. He had to smell Grand Wizard's crotch. That's <laughs> not what the Arch was cooking. <laughs> good lord. Uh, Sorry, Arch. As we end the show on the Grand Wizard's a chili dog covered in probably Grand Wizard's Ronda cheese. That's what his crotch probably smelled like. The sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> regret regret and sorrow <laughs> maybe a little Jim Barnett oh god that'd be a lot of Jim Barnett <laughs> like all of it it's a musky smell it's, it's <laughs> musty Jim Barnett <laughs> he gets his cologne out of like a it's like a um a race car shaped Avon perfume bottle <laughs> it's, like, it's like it smells like um like like lamp fluid Lamp lighter, musty Jim Barnett. <laughs> yeah, it smells like oh my god! It old, smells like the Australian like old, old spice and corn fritters. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it smells like the old Australian tour bus. Mario Mancini. They, they must have had some kind of lax laws over in Australia when it comes to um, homosexuality and like and like. Um, prostitution and stuff because why was Jim Barnett always going to Australia taking wrestlers to Australia oh my boy good day (laughs) Grand Wizard's crotch smells like (laughs) smells like Vegemite and fucking musty Jim Barnett (laughs) and and he used used a pair of Archie Mitchell slacks for like a taco shell they rolled up the Grand Wizard's musket (laughs) 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 Served a pair of Archie Mitchell's trousers. I have no, I have no fucking idea how to close this show now. (laughs) I I can't, I can't get it back on the rails. God bless. Yes, we've already did our time. Yeah. So that being said, we'll just say peace and thank you for joining us this week on the Reliving the Extreme podcast. Check us out on social media, Facebook, and um, join the group if you have not. And yep. like like Aaron always says, and Chad always says, if you do not, the only way to let people know is to let people know. So if you enjoy the show, let people know about it so we can grow the show. And I'm, Word. Rhy- I'm rhyming like Lanny Poffo here. So the show. Grow the show. The show. The show. Hashtag. Musty Jim Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for show. The old Mitchell meatballs. <laughs> Have a great fucking week, everybody. We'll see you next time.